Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Oftentimes, in my work as a hospital chaplain, when I'm in the midst of trauma or tragedy or being with someone whose loved one is dying or has recently died, I will invite them to take a deep breath, to sigh. And then I'll paraphrase Romans 8.26. When we do not know how or what to pray, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Our sighs are prayers too, and sometimes that's all we can do, especially when we are grieving. Sighing and crying seem to go hand in hand in times of uncertainty and sorrow when we are anxious about the future or regretting something from the past, when we're frustrated or sad about a loss of a loved one or a job or a relationship, or even the loss of a hope or an idea. Sighing and crying are our prayers too deep for words. Now I've been sighing and crying a lot lately a good friend of mine, diagnosed with an incurable cancer in March, will likely have her photo on our All Saints table next year. And sometimes I want to cry out in anger like Mary, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Except that my anger manifests more like, WTF, really? She's too young. She's been a faithful servant to you. Why her? Why not someone awful 
who deserves to die. Yes, pastors ask awful questions too. Maybe you too have been angry or doubtful in the face of death or illness in your own families with your own loved ones. Mary is weeping as she kneels at Jesus' feet and questions him. And the others with her were also weeping, and I imagine sighing too. Jesus sees them in their deep sorrow, has compassion on them, and begins weeping too. In many ways, there is so much about this story that I do not understand. It is full of mystery and unanswered questions, but the heart of the story, the part that I do understand, the part that I memorized from the King James Version of the Bible, Jesus wept, not only makes sense to me, but it gives me hope. Because when Jesus wept, he legitimized our human grief. Jesus, the human revelation of God, stood at the grave of a friend and cried. Grief took hold of God. And when Jesus cried, he assured Mary not only that her brother was worth crying for, but also that she was worth crying with. Through his tears, Jesus calls us into the holy vocation of empathy. Sighing and crying is a holy calling. When we become the body of Christ to, one, to another who is suffering, and sometimes we do that with another who needs us, and sometimes we allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to allow someone else to be Christ's presence to us. Either way, we need each other in times of sorrow and uncertainty to be Christ's holy presence in the world, to give us space for weeping and sighing, even if that's the only prayer that we can offer. Now, I have no idea if animals cry or sigh, but I do know from my own pets that they could be a great calming presence when I need a little cuddle. They can sense when I'm sad or sick, and my cat Melvin especially will come lay down right on top of me and give me some extra love when I need it. It's as if they have a level of consciousness to interpret our feelings. Any pet people out there? On a PBS special many years ago called Inside the Animal Mind, the documentary explored animals' consciousness related to their, to their awareness of death. The abbot of St. John's Abbey in Collegeville writes, in a remarkable footage, elephants, elephants, returned to a previous encampment where the skeletons of a few elephants lay on the ground. These big creatures spent a whole day there touching the bones of their trunk, the skull, touching the bones with their trunk, the skull, the leg bones, the rib cages. Clearly, they were recognizing their own, the remains of their own, and it was an emotionally moving experience. In some ways, that is what we do here on All Saints Sunday. We set aside one day a year to sigh, and cry together as a community. 
to recognize our communion with those who have gone before us, the bond of affection, the tender quirkiness of the individuals that we've loved and lost, the fragility of our own lives, and the incredible, amazing grace that has washed through our lives and these who are once in our midst. We recognize our unity with them and all the saints who live in God. As the church, the festival of all saints is the day that we do the important work of naming, remembering, and being together. We light candles, we sing, and we listen. And we sit together with our grief as we remember those dear to us who are no longer among the living. Some years, the work of remembering and naming is harder than others. And this is one of those hard, hard years. And we also take time to remember those whose lives passed with little notice. Miscarriages, the homeless, those without close family or friends, and the half million COVID-related deaths that are numbered but not named individually. And in doing so, we point out the expansiveness of God's promise. Saints to us are not just those who have lived exceptionally holy lives or good lives even. They are not just those who have been canonized by the church or have icons in our space here. Instead, this day, we embrace the reality that recognized as saint or not, people deserve to be remembered. Because we all have more than our fair share of rough edges, of regrets and decisions that we wish we'd made differently, of our own brokenness and sin. Each of us, by the grace of God, are both 100% saint and 100% sinner. Named and claimed in baptism, God's promises for us are more powerful than anything we can do or fail to do. So today, along with all the saints, we are reminded that we are loved, forgiven, and held close by God in times of celebration, yes, certainly, and in our times of grief. And together, we await that day when tears will be wiped away and death is no more. And we are all gathered around that great heavenly feast. And in the meantime, we come together come together to comfort one another in our grief, to sigh and to cry together, to cling to God's everlasting promises and gather in hope around the table for a foretaste of the feast to come. Amen.